Okay, the importance of the Bible. Okay, we've been looking at on Wednesday evening, the Bible. Amen. Okay, Deuteronomy 8, if you will, please. Or look up to the screen there. Deuteronomy 8. I want you to see this. I'm sure you've read it before. I hope you have, but if you haven't, we're getting to it here in our Bible reading schedule. And so, Deuteronomy 8. Notice what, if you will, notice with me. Verse 1, might as well, yes. Notice what he says. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall be uh, ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord, doth uh, the Lord doth man live. Okay, now think about this. This is something that Jesus quoted. Again, notice your notes there. In Matthew 4, 4, the Lord quoted from what he had Moses to write. He said to Satan, when he tempted him, and there in Matthew 4, to turn, he, Satan said, turn those stones into bread. By the way, Satan will always come at you with what you need at that moment, right? If you have some kind of problem or addiction or something, he's always going to tempt you with that thing. And so he said, when he was hungry, he said, why don't you turn the stones into bread? And he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He emphasized the fact, this fact again to Israel. They did not obey and suffered greatly because of it. He now emphasizes it to us so that we may... Uh, do not make the same mistake. Now, how important is the Bible is the question. We've looked at this over the last couple of weeks. We cannot overstate its importance to us. The Bible is, as we said last week, the greatest thing the world affords. The Bible is the greatest book ever written. The Bible is the warmest, friendliest book ever written. The Bible is the toughest book ever written. The Bible is, without question, the most important book the world has ever seen or ever will see. Now, if we are going to live, or truly live, we must feed upon God's Word. We must take it in, digest it by meditation, and then obey it. This is how we live, by every word which proceeds out of His mouth. That's what he means when he says that. Now, only in the Bible do we learn how to please God in this life. Only in the Bible do we find the true formula for success in this life. Only in the Bible do we find accurate knowledge of the future and how to prepare for what lies ahead. The person who places much importance on the Word of God and obeys it will be successful. The one who does not will ultimately fail. And the child of God who chooses to live by every word which comes from God has a very powerful advantage over those who do not. This is my goal in life. I hope it's yours as well. Therefore, I know that I have access to God at all times. I know that I have the truth and the resident teacher of truth, the Holy Spirit. He, uh, he gives me insight into life, supernatural help, and facing all the problems of this life. I have absolute assurance that my sins are forgiven and that I'm going to heaven when I die. I know that God is in full control of the universe and that this one who controls the universe is my heavenly Father. I know that He will provide everything I need in this life. Therefore, I can be at peace in any kind of adverse circumstance or economic crisis. I know that my treasure is in heaven, that I need not try to accumulate treasure in this temporary world. I know that I am not on the defense, but rather on the side that is already won. I realize that I am safe and protected until God finishes with my ministry on earth. Because of this, I can continue pushing the offensive to win souls to Jesus Christ, and no one is able to stop me. This is definitely an advantage. So the Bible is vitally important. 
Now let's consider the reasons why this is true. Okay, so first of all, notice this. The Bible is our only source of specific knowledge of God. Again, we've studied this before, but there's two types of revelation that's given to us in Scripture. One is general revelation. One is special revelation or specific revelation. Now, the general re revelation, notice letter A, is that God reveals Himself generally through creation and conscience. Well, it says, "...in the heavens declare the glory of God externally." Now, Psalm 19, we read this a little bit last week, talks about that the heavens declare the glory of God. And people stand outside and look around and say, well, there's somebody must have created this, right? Something, they'll say, must have created this. I don't know what it is. I don't know where to find it, but I believe somebody did. Uh, number two, the conscience then declares God internally. Romans 12 talks about their conscience, right? Our conscience. And you think about it, so many people know that there's some kind of creator God. There's got to be something. Now, a lot of people reject that. We know it. But in our conscience, now we've talked about this before, the different arguments of the existence of God, one of them being the moral argument, meaning that every person has a morality about them that they know right from wrong. I mean, I said before, but an axe murderer that goes about and murders people, he's psycho, he's crazy, you know, I'm a psycho, you know, I'm a psycho. He knows, right? Why? Because he goes and hides from the police. If he was out in the, I don't care, I don't care if the cops get, I don't, I don't abide by the rules, I'm not scared. No, he's scared. He goes and hides, and they got to go get detect, find out all the clues to find him. So he knows right from wrong. And we know that. You go again, I said, into the nursery. You see the little babies know right from wrong, don't they? They steal from each other, hit each other, bite each other. Uh, my wife called me yesterday. She sent me a picture of a little arm, just this little arm, and it had two, well, it had a circle, and it was in the shape of a bite mark. You know, the two big, uh, it, was, it was bad, too. And she said, gave me the whole story, you know. Uh, Brother Adam, you know, we hear this stuff from the kids all the time. You know, and Joy, Noah, you know that. And it says, uh, you know, and you hear, uh, she bit her. And then I said, well, what happened? And she bit her. And then she bit her back. And it was this and that. And it was a whole big thing. You know? And so, uh, anyways, had to handle that when I got home. Okay. Number three, the revelation is not sufficient to save the soul. Now, I say that very clearly. Because people can say, what? Well, I see all of this creation, and I know right from wrong, but it doesn't have sufficiency to save them, does it? They don't exactly know who to believe in. Well, that ties into letter B, and that's that God reveals Himself specifically, and that's the Bible. Two areas of specific revelation is the Bible and Christ. So to know who God is, there must be direct communication in specific words. Two, to know how to please God, there must be specific instructions. So very clear. Uh, and again, you may have worked for somebody or somebody that you're very close to that expects you to do something that they don't give you any instructions on how to do it, right? Uh, I didn't know you wanted me to do that. Well, you were supposed to read my mind or whatever, you know. They'll make a joke about it. Sometimes it's not funny, is it? But uh, we need to know specifically what to do. And I said this before, God is not an unjust God. He's a holy, righteous, loving Father. And he's going to tell us exactly what to do. Why? Because at judgment day, we'll not stand before him. And he'll go, well, I, you were supposed to do A, B, and C. And we'll say, well, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. Well, that, it doesn't matter. You're punished and eternally damned in hell. You know, that's not him. He's going to give us everything we're supposed to have to know how to please him and to know what to do. So that type of revelation is very clear. It's our only source of knowledge, of the knowledge of God, specific knowledge. Okay. Number two, though, and also notice the Bible is our only source 
of accurate ancient world history. Okay, now how old is the universe? I don't know. Genesis gives us the record of creation and the number of years from the creation to the flood. It then gives the number of years from the flood to Jacob and the move to Egypt. Now, those of you in our Bible Institute, we, we went over some of that uh, in, in uh, past semesters. And so, it's very fascinating to look at, isn't it? Well, the Bible gives us a great accurate source, accurate source of world history. And you study it. You can even go back if you were to put the numbers together. And, and uh, there's a man by the name of Larkin, way back, way back when. He had put out a chart called the Larkin chart. And he, he went out and he calculated back year according to the Bible, and he calculated how old the earth was, how old Noah would have been. All, he put all of that together. Very fascinating. Anyways, you can look at that for your own. But it is truly an accurate ancient world, accurate uh, example of a record of the world history we have around us. Very clear. Now, number three, we'll get into some of these a little bit in detail, uh, that the Bible is the only source of accurate knowledge of the future. And we looked at this uh, last year about the end times and what we call eschatology. But you can look at it and say, boy, I don't know what's going to happen in the end time. No other book in world history really clarifies what's going to happen in the future. Now, they give some kind of uh, assessment of it or assumption of what's going to happen, but they don't know. The Bible is the only book that gives detailed information of what's going to happen in the future. And some people get so caught up with the book of Revelation, and they get messed up, and they don't need to. They're not listening and following the entirety of the Bible. And if you do, it'll make much more sense. So we know that it gives us the accurate knowledge of the future. Now, the Bible gives us the three really questions that everyone asks. Where did I come from? What am I doing here? And where am I going? Everybody asks that question at some time in their life. Where did I come from? Well, now, if you came from, you know, so a lot of people, I've heard a testimony of a fellow that uh, didn't come from it. He, his parents abandoned him, left him on a doorstep of a of a Catholic, you know, uh, convent or something, and they took him in, and, and he asked the question, where did I come from? I didn't come from anybody. Nobody wanted me. Well, that's not true. And he gave the testimony, hey, I went through and read the Bible for the first time and read how I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and when mother and father forsaketh me, the Lord will take me up. Isn't that wonderful? He said, I, I came from somewhere. I came from God. And he said, I know what I'm doing here, and praise God, I know where I'm going. Fourthly, notice also the Bible is the only source of specific faith in God. Now, go to Romans 10, verse 17. I want you to see this. I'm sure you know it, Romans 10, verse 17, because it gives us specific faith in God. Again, we've said this before. Now, familiar portion of Scripture, something, a verse that you would want to memorize. So then faith cometh by what? Hearing. Oh, there it is. Hearing by my own intellect. No, it doesn't say that. Hearing by what? The Word of God. Isn't that true? The faith comes by hearing. Okay? Well, I'm hearing what? The Word of God. That's where your faith comes from. Your faith is directly from the Bible. That's where it comes from. We follow the book. We preach the book. We teach the book. Our church, we try our best to center on the Word of God, everything we try to do. So it's only source. Number five, the Bible is our means of salvation. Very clear. James 1 verse 18 talks about this. It's our only means of salvation. It's the only place we find eternal salvation. I've said before. But if you put all your faith in this book, man, you're putting a lot of faith in just a piece of printed material. I mean, really, right? You think about it, it's just a book written by a bunch of men throughout history. And I don't know if you want to stake your eternity on this book. I do, <laughs> right? We know because we looked at it the last couple of weeks about the inspiration of God, how this book is inspired. 
And I would encourage you to take some real time to research this Bible. Don't just read it. Research it. Study it out. Where did it come from? Okay, uh, let's keep going. The Bible's the only source of our salvation. Yeah, we said that. Okay, turn it over. Under that, God brings about the new birth when His Word is believed. Okay, go to Ephesians chapter 2 with me. Ephesians chapter 2. He says a, gives us a wonderful uh, layout. The entire chapter uh, 2 of Ephesians is phenomenal, but he starts out talking about how we were dead in trespasses and sins. Notice verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Then he says it's a gift of God. And it's not of works, verse 9, lest any man should boast. Isn't that true? That's why it is. We don't boast in that. Man has a natural tendency to boast in it, to boast. One of the characteristics of a, uh, or qualities or qualifications of a pastor given, and I've been studying this and we've been looking at it in our Bible Institute, 1 Timothy chapter 3, is that he says it's not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he falls into the condemnation of the devil. <laughs> so uh, an inexperienced person would naturally be lifted up with pride. You know, oh, okay, well, everyone's listening to me. Everyone's, you know, I'm this and that. And you think about it now. This is what he says. It's not of our own works because if it was, we just, well, we'd, we'd boast in it. Well, I clean myself up. That's what I've done. And again, you have to understand this. Every, I, be careful, I shouldn't say every, but most religions in the world, they preach what? You clean yourself up. You go to AA. They tell you, clean yourself up, you know. You need to do, and that's, they got some good stuff in that. But the ultimate thing is you've got to be regenerated. I met with a couple just a while back, and I didn't believe that the individual was saved. And they wanted all this counseling. Well, count, what should we do? What should we do? I said, number one, are you saved? Well, that's irrelevant. I want to know how to fix our problems. You know, I said, no, that's the number one thing. You've got to be saved. Are you saved first? Because without the Holy Spirit, it ain't going to work. It ain't going to work, right? It's just you're going to repeat the cycle over and over. Okay. Let her be then. God has chosen to save through the foolishness of preaching His Word. Notice 1 Corinthians 1, verse 21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Isn't that true? The wisdom of the world tried to find out who God was. Couldn't figure it out, could they? Couldn't figure it out. Couldn't do it. And uh, we find it to be true, to Again, to save the lost uh, from hell and to save the believer from much misery and suffering. And again, the clarification of this verse is that it's not complicated. Uh, it's not, he doesn't make it way up here. Well, you've got to get up here and understand all these big words in order to be saved. No. He brings it way down here. You, did you ever, as you're reading through the gospel accounts in your Bible reading right now, I don't know where you're at. Uh, I'm, in, uh, I'm in Mark right now, but... Uh, you read through it, and you see the patience of Jesus. Do you see it? I mean, it just, I mean, some of the things. And not only that, being a, a man, he was God manifested in the flesh. I mean, all-powerful. He was all-knowing. And you got these people come up to him and try to ask him really silly questions and ask him some really ridiculous things. And then they accuse him of something, and they try to make him look foolish. The one guy came, well, who is my neighbor? <laughs> you know, trying to make him look dumb. And Jesus and his patience very kind, tries to explain to him. And you think about it, that's true. He brings it down for us to understand. Okay, next look at this. Uh, number six, the Bible is the standard by which all will be judged. Now this is very, very important. Look at Psalm 96, verse 13. I have it there in your notes. For he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. But notice what he says. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people 
with his truth. Now notice that. Truth is relevant. I mean, you could really say, your truth is different from mine, right? You believe it's okay to do this, and I believe it's not okay. The truth is there. He says his truth. So we've got to be careful, because people, this is what's going to happen. Jesus said this. They're going to stand before him on judgment day and say what? Lord, Lord, it's me. We did many mighty and wonderful works in thy name. What are they saying? We had truth that we were following. And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you, ye that worked iniquity. What did they do? They didn't come to meet his standard of truth, did they? It was their truth. And that's the problem. He says, I'm going to judge you by my truth. Well, if, it's his, if, if you're a just God and it's your truth, you better tell us what to do. And the Lord says, I have and I will. So he's given us this. Now, notice at the judgment seat of Christ, this is for the Christian. 1 Corinthians 3. Oh, let's, let's turn over there. Mine as well. 1 Corinthians 3. And notice what he says. This is the judgment seat, and it's for the Christian. Verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, clarification right at the end. He's clarifying who he's talking to. He's talking to the saved people. He says that when I say your works will be destroyed or burnt with fire, doesn't mean I'm casting you into hell. You'll be saved, yet so is by fire. So he's talking about the saved people, the regenerate people, which you are here tonight. Now think about this. At the judgment seat of Christ for every Christian, it's the standard by which he will be judged. Letter B at the uh, great white throne judgment, that's for the unbeliever. Revelation 20, let's go there, minus well. Revelation 20, verse 11, talks about this great event, this great day. Revelation 20, verse 11, says, And I saw a great white throne, him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, and, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. The death and hell were delivered up, delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works, and the death and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now that's the great white throne judgment, and we find it very clear. Okay, this is by which standard? Now he's not unjust, he's fair, he's a fair God, and we know he'll be judging us according to this book. But notice John twelve forty eight. John twelve forty eight says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. Well, who's that? The word that I've spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. That's the day he's talking about. The word of God. He didn't come to judge. He says, the word will judge you. The word will judge you. So we have a Bible. I'm clarifying this point that we have a Bible. We can trust. It's a book that we'll be judged by. Now, again, if you've ever studied for a test and they gave you maybe a book, SAT, ACT, something like that, they give you maybe a study book. I found one of them at the thrift store just recently. And you, there, it, it was about that thick, you know, a huge thing. You can study for the SAT and this and that. And I thought, oh, my goodness. And some of you remember taking that test. But uh, what does it matter? What does it matter? Okay, I guess it did matter. But remember the questions on that thing was terrible. I mean, and anyways, you find 
they gave you some of the answers to it. You would study it. Why? Because test day's coming. I want to know what to say. At least I want to try and get a decent score on it. So you think about now, uh, let me continue uh, before I get bogged down here. Uh, number seven, the Bible is our spiritual food. Now, this is the one I like. It's milk for the newborn. Okay, notice 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2 and 2, as newborn babes or babies, desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may what? Grow thereby. If so be, you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, you know this, that a mother's milk is the very best thing for the baby, hands down. They create a formula for the babies. It's a synthetic form of mama's milk, but it's still not as good as mama's milk because they get those vital nutrients in her milk that they need for brain development, uh, other things for the body. You know all that. That's what he's saying. He says, as a newborn baby, you ever heard a baby scream? Ah, and he just go on and on and on and on. <laughs> and then he, mama picks it up, starts nursing it, and he just stops, stops crying. And I got stuck several times without mama around and didn't know what to do. And, uh, okay, we'll stop there. <laughs> oh, newborn babes. We got to be babe. But notice this, we don't stop at the milk. Secondly, or letter B, it's meat for the mature. Go to Hebrews 5, Hebrews 5 and verse 12. It's meat for the mature. This is what we need. This is what we need. He says you ought to be growing. You don't continue feeding that child milk all their lives. They'll be malnourished. You've got to give them the solid food at some point. In verse 12, notice what it says. For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. He says you're not moving past some of that. You're not maturing. And are become such as have need of milk, not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe or a baby. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And that's what the word does. It matures you. Now again, let me clarify. At the end, during approaching the end times, we're going to look at this here soon. There's something that the church, the church starts to do. Now, local churches like ours, we're an independent church, as we believe the Bible teaches. But churches in general, what's going to happen is they're going to start to shift into what's called the apostasy of the church. We were talking about that the other night. And the apostasy is what happens. The word apostate or apostasy means a willful falling away. It's not that they're duped and deceived. Oh, he didn't. we had a, a cult leader that duped us. No. Why? Because we all have the Bible. Okay? We can fact check everything that's said. What's happening? It's a willful falling away. It's the church is willfully falling away into the lust of the flesh. The adversary gives us something over here that's very lustful and enticing. We see a lot of churches today already falling over to an apostate way of thinking. And you've got these guys standing up and preaching just weird, heretical things. <laughs> Don't even make sense. Why? Because they're not following the book. And every time, and the difference between a church and a cult, you know what it is. Well, there's several differences. Uh, a cult, what? The guy stands up and he closes the book and he says, I will reveal to you what the Bible says. You don't need to study it on your own. <laughs> uh, the guy out in Waco, Texas years ago, uh, whatever his name was, uh, Koresh, he stood up and he preached the Bible. If you ever listen to his tapes, they have them on YouTube and stuff. They're weird. But in the beginning, he preached really good. I mean, he preached the Bible and he knew the Bible. He memorized. They said he memorized a ton of the New Testament. So he could quote the Bible, and it was good. But then over time, he started saying some really weird stuff. And he started saying, uh, the Lord revealed to me last night that you need to all give me your wives and your little girls, and they need to become my wife, and I need to be with them. I mean, right there, you got to say, what? You know, why? Because the people weren't following the Bible. 
he's, he made him close the book. Oh, I'll tell you what the Bible says. Okay, so we see that throughout history. This is exactly what he's saying. The Bible is for the maturing Christian. Help us to grow. Every person ought to be studying the Bible for themselves, memorizing Scripture, so on and so forth, so that we may know. And again, we'll all stand before the judgment seat individually. Okay, number eight then. Let's bring this here and wrap it up. The Bible is for uh, our means of cleansing and avoiding sin. It's our means of cleansing and avoiding sin. It makes us clean and protects us against sinning. Now, I like this. Psalm 119 is a phenomenal chapter. Longest chapter in the Bible. But notice what it says. Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal, or how, I mean, how shall a young man basically cleanse his way? What should he do? He answers it by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Very clear. Young man wants to cleanse his way. Uh, first thing you do, get into the Bible. Get, a, get on a diet of the Bible. One young man I was talking to, and he was struggling with some personal uh, immoral things in his own life that he was struggling with. And uh, I directed him to this. I said, it's for a young man. Young men struggle primarily with sexual sins, uh, right? And so we know that. And I said, you got to get on a Bible diet. I mean, get in the book every day, every day, every morning, whatever it is. Get in the book. Why? Because it'll cleanse you. John uh, 15, 3. Now you are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. What's he mean? He says, I've given you all that you need. You have no excuses. Now you're clean. You can do it. You have it. You can obey it. Most Christians don't do that, though. They make excuses. Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. The only way to hide the word in your heart, you know that, is memorization. Oh, thank you. Yes. Memorization. you got to memorize it. I was in, driving in the truck uh, yesterday and uh, listening to something uh, like a podcast on my phone in the commercial I, I can't stand it, but the commercials come on YouTube or whatever, you know. And it was a song, and it was a good song. Oh, you ever have those songs from your past that come up? And it was a good song, too, man. It just, do, 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 I won't say it. And it'll get stuck in your head. And it was stuck in my, and I, I tried to, oh, turn that thing off or whatever, get past. And you wait for the thing that says skip video or skip the commercial. Three, two, ooh. and it doesn't go to, one. It, wait, it's a scam, I think, right? No, I mean, those things are deceitful, aren't they? Anyways, I guess, and so then I got my, I made some little memory cards that I, sh I should have had on me, but I have little three by three cards with verses on it that I try to memorize. And anyways, I was trying to memorize them. And it helps me. It, help, it ought to help. And it'll encourage you. Hiding the word of God in your heart. Believers, for, it, it delivers believers, or excuse me, delivers us from the bondage of sin. Psalm 119, 133. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. That one verse I've tried to share with people that have addiction problems. Uh, again, the one fellow I was trying to help, he was messed up, man. And I told him about this. You know, you don't have to have those iniquity doesn't have to have dominion over you. They have to control you. You can have freedom. It comes by the word. Let her see it protects us from false ways. Psalm 119 again, 104, 105. He says, through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. He says in uh, verse 128, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. It protects us, gives us discernment. Something called discretion gives us all those things. Okay, and then lastly notice, the Bible is our source of peace and comfort. We all desire peace in our hearts and minds. Again, Psalm 119, 165. He says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Boy, I wish I could get to that point someday <laughs> where nothing offends me.
but that will be very many years ahead. We have the word, right? Isaiah 26, 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Oh, it's a great source of comfort and peace. We need comfort in times of trouble. As he says in Romans 15, 4, Whatsoever things are written aforetime are written for our learning, that we may through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Do the Scriptures comfort you? Uh, I don't know if any of you had a grandmother or mother or somebody read you the Scriptures when you were a child. or You remember back when you were in Sunday school and you heard the Scriptures, you heard the Word of God preached or taught. I've been at the bedside of many people that uh, are, are really breathing their last breath or even they're about to go into a drug-induced coma. They're about to put the doctors about to put them into a coma so they can peacefully go and I've sat by the bedside you know what they want to hear the scripture they want to hear the word they say pastor tim read me read me psalm 23 read me the lord is my shepherd isn't that wonderful that's what the word does it comforts brings peace my friends you don't have to wait till that time okay lastly oh i said i i missed the last one sorry lastly the bible is our only means of true success okay Oh, no, we don't have to turn there, I guess. Joshua 1.8. He says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou shalt uh, mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Notice what he says. When you do that, thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Thou shalt have good success. All right? That's true. So the scripture, one of the only times in the Bible that word success is used, has to do with what? Meditating in the word of God. Now, this was something that was given to Joshua right before He's about to go and conquer the land. So this wasn't just him reading a little bedtime story to him. Uh, this is what Moses said. Listen, Joshua, you keep this. The Lord says directly to him, you keep the word of God and it'll give you good success. Now, this was success to conquer the land, to go in and have multiple military campaigns and battle and fight and lose and see good men dead on the ground that had to fight to get the land that they were promised and so on and so forth. And all of that, he said, you want true success. You stick with the Word of God. You follow what I've given you. In the Bible, a wonderful book. I know you believe that, but I praise God for it. It's so important. It is. Again, it's our only source of knowledge. It's our only source of knowledge of God, of the future, of faith, of salvation. And it brings comfort. It brings peace. It's a phenomenal book. I want to encourage you again. I, I know I sound like a broken record, but stay in the book this week. Get, get in the book. Spend time together uh, as a couple in the Bible. If you didn't get one of our Bible reading schedules or one of our little uh, devotional booklet thingies, uh, grab one of those and get into uh, a schedule. You don't have to start at the beginning. Go, just go ahead and jump into the Bible wherever it is for the current day, and I know it'll help you tremendously. All right? Anyways, we have a book we can trust tonight. This world's crazy, chaotic, and the people in this world are so out of it. They are. They don't know what's going on. We know what's going on because we have the book. And we will be judged according to this book. All right. Thank you for listening tonight. Again, I hope you have a good rest of your week. If you do need anything, please let me know. And uh, we'll see you, Lord willing, on Sunday. All right. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. And again, these, these people that are so faithful, uh, I appreciate them. Lord, I know I'm preaching to folks here that do. They stay in their Bibles. They're faithful in that. Uh, they know their Bibles. They study it. They memorize it as best they can. And I thank you for it. As, Lord, we approach a lot of uncertainty, Lord, a lot of dark days ahead of us in this world and in this country, we ask for your strength, and we know we can find that in the Word. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our paths. Strengthen us, Lord, in it. We thank you and love you again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.